Thanks for listening to the Swearing In Podcast, where you'll hear the origin stories of those who chose to serve. So ground your gear, take a seat, and listen up. The Swearing In Podcast starts right now. Welcome to all my brothers and sisters in service. I am Marty Smith, and this is the Swearing In Podcast. Today is part three of my interview with General Petty. He starts off by describing what it was like returning with his battalion from deployment to Iraq in August 2007. Then he left command to become the branch chief of standards and training for the Colorado Army National Guard. Later, he was promoted to full colonel and took command of the 89th Troop Brigade. After command, he became the Chief of Staff for the Colorado Army National Guard, and as he was preparing to retire, he received a call that he was selected for Brigadier General. He was promoted in 2014 and sent to Sarajevo, Bosnia, as a NATO commander. So there's your pre-brief on Part 3 for General Petty. Now, let's get on with the interview. Uh, sir, we left off with you taking command of the battalion. You got orders to go, right? Your battalion was a, I don't, not multi-service. What do you call no, it? When it's it was, active duty, National Guard. Did you have reserves as well? So, yes, Marty. It was a, a composite battalion, but it was mostly National Guard. This was a, oh, it was mostly, this okay. was a general, and I think I said this last time, it was a general support aviation battalion, mm-hmm. a GSAP. They're still in existence. You know, aviation was changing so much. Let me ask you real yeah. quick. We had three, when I was in artillery, we had three classes. You had direct support, you had general support, and then you had uh, general Yes. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. But you were a core asset or you were um, you were kind yes. of a swing asset or you were a direct support. I remember the, the doctrine, yes. Was uh, aviation doled out in a similar manner? No. Uh, it's not a, the general support was not the doctrinal term like, like a fire, like a fire's brigade or something. Oh, okay. It wasn't. It was the reason it was called general support, as I as I think I mentioned last time, and why there wasn't enough of these to go around in the in the wars is because it had medevac, full medevac capability. My GSAB actually had two full medevac companies. Wow. So you know that's that's uh, at the time that was twenty four Blackhawk medevac wow, Blackhawks. That's that covers lot. that covers most of Iraq, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Um. So we had that. We had regular, what we called a command aviation company, which never really functioned that way. It was a Blackhawk company no. to do Blackhawk right. things. And then there was a Chinook company with, at the time in Iraq, we had 15 Chinooks. Now, Oof. you can imagine if you're a theater commander, a division commander, or anything in between or below, you want one of these. They want that asset. I can do air assaults. I can move supplies. I can do... Medevac, which of course I have to do, yeah. or I have to shut down operations in theater. So you want a GSAB? I mean, attack battalions are great. They're sexy. They blow things up. Awesome. Uh, regular line what? line units of you know assault battalions that have just Blackhawks. Uh-huh. Awesome. Great capability. 
But when you put, can put it all together in a battalion and call it a GSAB, you got you got so a mini cab. You didn't have any attack or did no, you? no, no attack. Okay, so no, everything this else. This is fun. why it was called general support yeah. because of those three things. Wow. But it's a quite a capability. And then you have all the log train that goes with. Yeah, you, it's a right? big it's a big <laughs> log train. Yeah, I was always amazed at the Connex requirement for for moving this oh battalion God, around. Yeah, yeah. Not only do you have to load literally. I forget the numbers because they actually fluctuated. But, you know, you're loading everywhere you go. You're loading between 40 and 50 or I think at one point we had like 60 helicopters God. in this battalion. You're putting all those on a ship. So 60 helicopters. Wow. I mean, it, it's typically probably 40, but it, like I said, it went up and down. So you got 50 or whatever helicopters and then you have like, I forget the number of connexes. You know, it was like 35 full size connexes wow. just for maintenance gear sure. and all the things you have to do. It doesn't count vehicles, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So it was yeah. a monster. Yeah. And that was all your command. Yeah, it was all my command. It fluctuated between, uh, I, and I, this I'm pulling out a little bit cause I, I've got the numbers from the deployment, but it's between like 500 soldiers and 800 soldiers. Okay. So, I had companies added to me and subtracted to me. I had a company from the 101st that was plugged into my GSAB. I mean, this was oh, the wow. inter this was Jeez. the interoperability that the Army was looking for. So, active duty yeah. units work for guard units. Guard units work for active duty units. Didn't really matter. Uh, everybody was. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's the way it's supposed to work. And. Uh, and for the most part, the little, it actually all the little conflicts along the way. Yeah, it, it does. And you know, we talked about this last time that cultural oh, yeah. friction between yeah. the active duty and the guard, and you know, it's we we discussed this. It's natural. I had it when sure. I came in the guard. Right. You remember this? And so you're never going to make that go away. But but you know, by the time you're in year three of a war, which we were, we were in year three two two. We were in year two point five of yeah. Iraq. Yeah. You better, you know, your guard units have spun up. They right, have spun up right. and they've gotten serious. And as I told you last time, a lot of the old, you know, the guys that were just, you know, collecting a drill paycheck, yeah. they're gone because uh, sure. they realize they, they don't want to be. Yeah, they, they don't want to. They don't want to train hard or go to the field. Yeah. So as soon as this stuff's real, the guard is spooling up pretty quickly anyway. So by the time you train and you get to, you know, deploy together, it's pretty darn close. Right. And as I said last time, you know, the guard is is the beneficiary of so much aviation talent. These guys are all yeah. pilots, yeah. you know, and yeah. mechanics full time. So you, you've got all this great experience. You've wow. got. So, yes, it, it works. It works. You went well. as a, did you have command of this as a lieutenant colonel or full bird colonel? Oh, no, lieutenant colonel. Okay. It's still a battalion command. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, what a, year did you it was go a monster. over there? Um, I took command in 05, okay. and I went over in 06. All right. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can go into the detail of the story if you want to do a separate podcast. Yeah, absolutely. A separate yeah. podcast on absolutely. this Absolutely. And we covered a little bit last time. Yeah, we did. Time. We did. And I think it's a good story because of the height of the war, who we worked for in theater, which yeah. I told you, the, this task force. That's General McChrystal's term, the task force, so I can oh, use it. Really? Um, and so it's an interesting story. And a lot of the lessons along the way and the guard, the guard active duty issues, I, I think it's a good story. Um, and the best part of the story is 
I still can't believe it. I didn't lose one soldier. That's amazing. Yeah, six helicopters were shot down while I was there. Wow. Two of them were mine. Didn't lose one soldier. So it's a good story. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, How long was the deployment? uh, Or how long was the tour, I should say? Yeah, if you ask my wife, it was 20 months because I left for Fort Hood in February of 2006. Okay. Got to, you know, leaders recon, stuff Uh, like that. Obviously, I'm a commander. I'm going to deploy longer and do other things. No problem. Uh, The deployment itself in Iraq was a year. But we had the we had the awesome benefit of being the first combat aviation brigade ever to mobilize out of the National Guard ever. Wow. So as I said last time, I hate to repeat this because we're, we're saying no, that's a good point. But as I said last time, because we were the first ever cab coming out of the guard for a deployment, we got all the help we needed from Mother Army. All the help really? we needed, which I'm saying very sarcastically, as <laughs> you you might pick this up. You know, some of it was good, but a lot of time, I, I'll be honest with you, my soldiers were so frustrated because in aviation, there's a lot of specific mission planning gear, mapping software, oh, elect, yeah. electronic kneeboards, all these things. And all we're doing is training up the active duty guys so they can pretend to evaluate us. That was frustrating. Yeah. That was frustrating. Because our guys know this stuff. They've been using it for, you know, a while. And these guys are like, yeah, I haven't flown in a couple of years, but I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm an aviator. And so the army sent me to evaluate you. It's like, okay, this is going to be fun. <laughs> right. Now, now I understand the army is required to validate, you know, of course. what we used to call right. green, green training. Yeah. React to contact. Yeah. Conduct a, you know, not, I won't say dismounted patrol because that's not as common task, but you know, do a, a hasty checkpoint, right? All those green sure. army training tests, yeah. common soldier stuff. And that was okay. I mean, it got a little repetitive. It got a little monotonous. It was too long, but I, we can talk about that all you want. I had, I had some real critique of the army's mobilization process and validation process. Oh, I'd imagine. Yeah. It was frustrating. My soldiers were at Fort Hood for six months Golly. before they got to deploy. I'll never forget that one of the things that actually surprised me, I, I kind of knew it was coming, yeah. but it surprised me anyway, is as the plane is taking off, the charter flight from Fort Hood Airport, I forget what the name is of the field, but anyway, we're at Fort Hood. Yeah. We get on the charter flight at the Fort Hood Army Airfield. Um, and as soon as the wheels lifted off, there was a thunderous applause and really? cheering. We're out so of <laughs> these are these are soldiers who want to go to war. They want they want to do their bit. Yeah. They've been training for it. They signed up for it. They want to go serve their country. And for six months, they've been you know some of it legitimate. I'm not complaining. The army has requirements. I get it. <clears throat> but after six months, they're like, yes, yeah. we're finally actually gonna go do what we signed up to do. Right. It was it was a little tough. Got to be honest. It's uh, whatever their checklist is before they let you go. Because we had that similar thing for uh, the Gulf War, mm-hmm. where we had to train up our National Guard roundout brigade right. for months. And you have some experiences that offer oh, a different perspective. But we never knew, okay, when are we ready? Yeah. You know, when yeah. are we ready to go? So, um, it, but the war was over before we ever got to go. But at and least. You and, I, you and I both know there are some, and I'm sure there still are today. 
I mean, the guard's not some miracle. Just like on active duty. There's some units that need some real work, and they got some bad uh, Of course. Right. Well, the guard is the same way. Um, so I don't I don't begrudge the Army for a validation process. I would do the same thing. I you understand. have to, right? right? So right. I get it, but it was it was just too much. So at the same time, there are certain specialized guard units that know what they're doing, like you aviation. Would, you would right? think we could apply some analysis to this. Problem. Sure. Yeah. And the beauty of the guard is that your pilots are still flying. Yeah. You know, whereas active duty flew, went to another assignment, came back, yeah. maybe haven't flown in a while, like right. you said. Right. So your real expertise is your guard guys who right. are doing it every day, applying it, yeah, have never right. gotten out of it. That's right. right. Doing it every day. So some of them at this point had been doing it since Vietnam. It's a, I had a few Vietnam amazing. vets deploy with me. Obviously, they were the most senior CW4s and 5s. Right. Yeah, yeah. But these guys have been doing aviation for a while. They know what they're doing. Wow. Uh, so anyway, it, it's it's a longer story. Yeah. The whole deployment is a good story that I'd love to share with you. When did you get, uh, can you describe when you got orders to rotate back? Do you remember that point? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I have it written down. I, I did keep a pretty good journal, which is why I'm going to write this book that we talked about. Um, we knew we were on a one-year rotation. Yeah. And in Iraq, and I don't know if they did the same thing in Afghanistan, um, but you had a BOG memo, boots-on-the-ground memo. Okay. A lot, of the, a lot of your listeners that went through it will understand that the BOG memo, when it was approved and when your commander signed it, that he had... 100% accountability in Kuwait, you know, as we're bringing aircraft off the ships yeah. and, you know, all the stuff. And, you, of course, you got to do a whole nother round of training in Kuwait, which, you know, I get. Of course. I get. And actually, some of that was good. The flying part was good because you're exposed to absolute desert, pitch black, yeah. Yeah. brown out landings. It's a different environment. That's why helicopters sure. just decide to crash in the middle of the night <laughs> in the desert if they had a little visibility problem or dust storm. So that stuff was good. We cracked some windshields on helicopters with rocks, and yeah, because yeah. you know you got it, you got to practice, or you're going to kill people. Yeah. So that was good, but I, I digress. Uh, the bog memo, boots on the ground. Uh, once that's officially signed by the commander, you're all present and accounted for in Kuwait. Your clock starts. Okay. So it was one of those other huh. applause lines. You know, it's like, hey, we send our bog memo today, so all the soldiers know. Okay. Okay, our clock started. We're here for a year. Yeah. Which. I got mixed feelings about that, but I'll tell you, as a as a commander, it was a benefit for me, because my soldiers knew that they're going to go home in one year. You right. know, it's like, yeah, you know, you're going home safe to your loved ones, but the only way is through Iraq. We're going to kick ass, okay, you know. Yeah. But now we've at least started your clock, right? It's <laughs> right. motivational, right? Yeah. Right. Because you're sitting in Kuwait, it's pretty miserable. How was that last month? <laughs> uh, it was, it was hard. To keep people sharp, I yeah, would imagine was, when you see 29 days, 28 actually, days, Actually, it's harder days, right? than you probably could imagine because this unit, as hopefully we'll get into another time, this unit was was on the gas pedal, full full throttle for You were mentioning you were months. tasked yeah, t- all the time. These guys were wrung out. They, were, they had given everything. Yeah. I mean, maintainers, pilots, long days, hot days, long nights. Just it was all mission. It was all mission. Right. You know, not many of my guys were going to the salsa dancing night at <laughs> Balad Airfield. You know, they were freaking working. Sure. So, so yes, come month nine, 
10 and 11, I actually started to get worried because yeah. I could see. Because now you're close. I could see how tired they were. Right. And the op tempo right. was not going to slow down. No freaking way. So that was my biggest fear. You know, we always talked about complacency and all the things commanders do, but they were tired. They yeah. were tired. I could see it. God, that would be such a tenuous time because, like I said, you can see the window. Yeah. You're tired. Yeah. But. And they're flying. Wow. These are, these are that, dangerous tasks. The likelihood of making a lazy mistake yeah. or missing something. Yeah. Or, I oh was scared. Goodness. I and was, especially as a commander, yeah. you're like, let's just right, get Because you own it all, right? right? Every yeah. accidental yeah. discharge, every you own it all. Oh, so, so, yeah, I was very concerned. And all I could do was manage crew rest yeah. as appropriate. You know, yeah. aviation has a good system for that. People love to make fun of it. But you do not want to be making fun of that when you're in the no. back of some aircraft at night and it's the pilot's fifth straight day of hot, right. long operations. Because right. you'll be dead. So we took that seriously. Um, but it's about all you can do and just yeah. remind people and look in their eyes. And, you know, crew selection was my number one risk mitigation measure as a commander yeah. it, throughout the entire operation. Crew selection. I look forward to asking you a ton of questions. Yeah. You know, you're trooping a line. What were your exos yep. like? Yep. What was your battalion staff yep. like? Um, I, but we'll save that because we're yeah. going to burn it all That's up. That's right. We're going right? to burn our time burn all that We don't time want to do up. episode four. But <laughs> you made it uh, without losing a single soldier. That's yeah, I am, fantastic. I, it, re, it reaffirmed my faith in God. I will make no apologies to anyone listening that doesn't believe in God. That's their business. But this reaffirmed my faith yeah. because there were so many close calls. So I mean, sure. I almost had three or four mid-air collisions on over Baghdad or going into an LZ in the pitch black of night and a Chinook is like drifting across my front two feet from our rotor blades. I mean, it oh, was man. it was that kind of, oh yeah, and by the way, bullet holes coming into helicopters that we would analyze the trajectory of a bullet after it came okay. through a Blackhawk because, you know, you want to see what's happening. Yeah. And it's like, God dang, I can't believe that didn't kill anybody. That was two inches from a pilot's head. That's it, crazy. Yeah, so it was just one of those years of like, oh my God, how did we do that? I would imagine. So divine intervention for me. Sure. Now we did some smart things as leaders <laughs> yeah. and soldiers, right? We did a lot of smart things. Um, a few of them I'm actually quite proud of. Um, well, I would imagine. But we could talk about it. I would imagine yeah. that uh, in general, you'd probably rather be flying than waiting. Back, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, the soldiers were doing what they signed up to do. Yeah. And that means everything to a soldier. You know that. Yeah. yeah. You can accept risk. Rather be in the game. Rather be in the game yeah. than on the sideline wishing maybe you could have been in the game. Right. Yeah. Right. Or listen to the radio. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's hard uh, not to sound like to non-military people. I know this sounds weird, but if you're a soldier... It's not like you're a warmonger. I don't want to ever kill anybody or anything. I right. don't want to. But I've been training for this for my whole life. And I'm in the game. Yeah. I want to be in the game. Yeah. It's pretty simple for a soldier to understand that. Sure. So that's what it was. Where did you come back from? Where did you deploy to? Or deploy, we, redeploy okay, from? Okay, so go back we, to we got lucky. Uh, we engaged our state leadership, our tag, our two-star, yeah. uh, and they have the authority back here. Obviously, the Army gets to decide where we demo through. 
but uh, they worked some special magic with uh, Guard Bureau, who worked with Forcecom, as Forcecom controls yeah. this stuff. Yeah. And we got to demo back through Fort Carson. Oh, wow. Yeah, which That's really great. was helpful. Yeah. Why send soldiers back to Fort Hood when no point. 75% of them live in Colorado? Well, 60% of them live in Colorado. Well, anyway. and all your equipment's coming back here. Yeah, anyway. exactly. Exactly. So. so so the Army was smart. They let us be demo through Fort Carson. Families got to come reunite a little oh, bit sooner. Yeah. Which was nice. Yeah. Also frustrating. <laughs> well, my wife would tell you a story that she's our charter planes landing at uh, Peterson Air Force Base okay. which is you know Fort Carson's basically yep. airport yep. and uh, we're getting off and you know the leaders of the state are shaking hands and you know the, there's wives and stuff in the background you can hear on the video recorder like screaming hey, yay, right. you know a classic it's like a movie yeah classic welcome home scene and here's my wife you know she's like the commander's wife and she can't even get on to the tarmac to hug me or anything Still bothers her to this day because you know they they kind of locked us down, took yeah. us to, to buses, took us to the Ugh. to the site. It's like, oh man, that was kind of a misfire, you know. You absolutely these, these spouses have been like, right, almost makes me they, too yeah, yeah yeah they've been waiting, um, and you want that movie return? Yeah, that, that was a, nice. that was a misfire. Yeah, that would have cost us fifteen minutes to let people hug. Uh, right, right, um, and I, I, you know, you always wonder where those decisions get made or yeah. or avoided. Yeah, that wasn't you know mine. I mean? <laughs> so, um, how much longer before everybody was kind of let back on to traditional guard it, status? It took us about, if I this is just from memory, so I think we had to be at Fort Carson for about three days, just going through the medical review and the. Oh, equipment yeah. turn right. in, you know, because right. we had signed out a bunch of T fifty from the army, not necessarily the guard. You yeah. know, there was special requirements for uh, aviation that we got issued at Fort Hood oh. that doesn't belong to the Colorado Guard. So we had to do right. we had to do stuff like that, and uh, I think it was about two and a half days, you know, oh, in barracks, bad. you know, yeah. open bays, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and we had a nice ceremony at Fort Carson. They did put on a nice ceremony. It was a little smaller, but it was fine. Because yeah. after that, we got to hug our wives and reunite with family. So that was really good. It happened the same day. It was oh, just good. Good. unnecessarily good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they did, Fort Carson did a fine job. I, I really don't have any complaints except that first decision, which was weird. But other than that, we were out of there pretty soon. And then we, the Colorado Guard, put together the real welcome home ceremony. And they did it at the Air Force Academy, Academy oh, nice. yeah. Field Auditorium. Oh, yeah. It was great. It That's was beautiful. great. The yeah. soldiers came marching on out of the out of the portals. I mean, it was great. I did some remarks. You know, I told some stories about these awesome <laughs> soldiers. And, uh, and then we got to all reunite, and it was just, it was wonderful. And that was kind of the end of it. Now, after that, uh, the soldiers got to go on leave, like right away. Oh, okay. Yeah, right away. And then we had to bring everyone back. I forget if it was like, because they were still on orders. Yeah. This was, That's like, was this was like their earned orders. leave, yeah, you yeah. know. And I think we let them go for a week. I think it was a week. Well, because they want you to burn up that yeah, before and, you get off orders. Exactly. So. And they want you to reunite with your family. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. These guys have been gone for a year. That's a Actually, long deployment. these guys have been gone for 18 months. Everybody's gone for That's right, months. because yeah. you had the six months yes. at Fort yeah. Hood. Yep. Uh, so 18 months. Uh 
So yeah, they were gone for about a week, and you you know don't quote me on that. It might have been four days or whatever, but it was nice. Then they came back. We all met and uh, did our own administrative demobilization yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. Equipment turn-ins and all that stuff for the Colorado Guard, which is the majority of the equipment and stuff. So that was important. And then uh, we didn't drill again for, I think it was a month. It might have been two months, but I think it was only a month. So they were off. They active, were off for a while. Yeah. Orders, I mean, they so. still had to go back to their jobs. These are guards. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they're still going back to their jobs, but they got credit for like a month without having to come to drill or yeah. duty, which was nice. It might have been two months, but I think the guard also learned, and it might have been before me, but it was probably after me. The guard learned you can't let them go too long without reeling them back <laughs> into right, the, sure. to the mothership. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're a soldier. You're part of a unit. You know, you just went to war and there could be a lot of issues. You might be drinking a lot right now. Yeah, you know, it's kind of yeah. like look them in the eyeball again. Yeah, yeah. So you can't let them go too long. Yeah. So we learned the hard way a little bit, but I think it was a month. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm right. digressing. So yeah. Yeah. Um, how long did you stay in command of that battalion? I, uh, we got back in the end of August of 07 and I changed command, I think in early winter like january february of the next year oh really so i got a three-year command oh okay okay yeah year and a half of that was total mobilization and combat this is exactly what you want but you know three years in command i I couldn't complain no yeah it's classic right because we always talk as at least i always said you know a leader sort of the first year you're kind of going through the cycle you're learning i mean i know it's it doesn't work this way exactly because a good leader can't resist making some tweaks but you know it takes a year to learn right you know you got to go through the full business cycle right whatever that is well sure yeah Yeah, you do the second year you really implement your changes because you've observed you've learned and the third year you get to kind of fine-tune everything now of course it's never a perfect cycle no but to have three years is a dream come true that's pretty cool yeah Yeah. it it was awesome um where'd they put you uh after that, I, I printed this out. So you oh. just, I printed this out so you wouldn't catch me. Like well, you you've done so time. much stuff. You need yeah, to. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was like, shoot, I forgot that date. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. After I got back, I was assigned to the Branch Chief Standards and Training Colorado Army National Guard. So... So every guard state has a safety office, basically. Oh, okay. And it's good that a lot of them staff it with aviators because the aviator culture is so steeped in risk management Mm -hmm. and and all the things that go with effective risk management that it lets us have uh, kind of oversight of the state safety program. You know, there's always vehicle accidents. There's always, unfortunately, there's some helicopter accidents. There's there's class A mishaps, you know, dollar amounts and class B mishaps. All that stuff has to get investigated. All that stuff gets reported. So it's not just this fluff job of, well, be safe, everybody. You know, there's a lot of requirements with, with this. And so, you know, this is not being in command. It's a staff job. You work for the, you work for the chief of staff of the, Colorado Army National Guard. Right. And uh, you're accountable to the, on the safety program. Yeah. And all the reporting requirements. and It's quite a step down. 
Yeah, it's quite a step down. I mean, not to minimize the importance. No, no, it's it that's is, quite a step yeah, down. That's quite a step down. It's a it's a lieutenant colonel position. So, Action wise, it's yeah. Quite I mean, a step it's a lateral down. kind of assignment. Yeah. It's a as we talked about before, it's a little growth outside of aviation, right? Because I'm also appreciating the fact that okay, I've got this aviation stuff down pretty good. I'm not God's yeah. gift to aviation, but but I I'm pretty experienced in it. Sure. And with this little ride that I just got, I'm pretty darn experienced in it now. It's time to probably learn something else. And so this exposes me to a whole bunch of staff requirements. Well, and, and prior to you prior to you taking command, you had the commandant job. You had the yeah. uh, uh, the civil the civil support team support team the WMD response right? team. Yeah, yeah. And now you have uh, yeah. safety. Now uh, I have safety, which. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my all. I'm gonna yeah, you know, of course. I'm gonna give it my all, do my best. But I mean, I gotta be honest. It's a little bit of a placeholder because I want to do, you know, I want to do the next level of command, like I think most good officers think. So I got that chance. Oh, you did. Yeah, I got that chance a year, a year later. Now gonna, you are you full time guard at yeah, this point? Yeah, I'm full time okay. guard, right. which which is a little more complicated actually. Right. If you're a traditional guardsman. It is a little easy to get promoted because there's only so many full-time billets in certain ranks and grades, yeah, right? right, right. So like this, the entire state of Colorado with over 4,000 Army Guard soldiers has, I think it's four, four, oh, six. AGRs? AGRs, oh, full-time. That's it. Yeah, that's a tough one. And, you know. And a long line yeah, waiting to get into those four. a long line waiting. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard. It's it's hard. So anyway, my point is, that was par- probably part of why I had to shift over to the safety office, just because. Oh yeah, it gives I'm some time. Full-time yeah, right. Oh five. There's only right. so many oh five billets yeah, too, and I'm yeah. taking one of them. So I got to transition to that job, and you know, it's 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 personnel management at a different yeah. level, yeah, because it's guard specific. So, uh, but I did get an opportunity to compete for brigade command. That was my wow. next big. That was my next big goal, because the aviation battalion falls under this brigade. This yeah. is a, yeah. this is a composite classic guardism. This is a composite <laughs> brigade of all warfighting assets. So you have the aviation battalion I just commanded. You have an MP battalion which is deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan and Iraq again. You have special forces battalion, which wow. as you can imagine, very active in those two wars. You have a. Uh, is that the nineteenth? Yeah, five nineteen. Okay. Yep, yeah, fifth of the nineteenth. Yeah, you have an infantry battalion Jeez. versus one five seven. The great lineage, by the way, part of the Dachau Liberation, yeah. the Italian campaign, uh, all that in World War Two. So great lineage for the one five seven. And then you have a space battalion. So you have these. Oh my goodness! You have these six battalions that are all. Active, I mean, not active duty, but, you know, active, engaged, op-tempo, deploying, redeploying. I mean, so my command, because I got the job, my command was a deploy and redeploy unit command. You know, oh, the, the wars were yeah. both running. Yeah. And these all units are in high demand. Even the aviation battalion got parted out again, unlike when we deployed. But you yeah. never... Was that a brigade combat team? Or no, 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 it okay. wasn't. And you know that that would. But the concept is still kind of well, there, where you have many. It's still elements. a brigade. I mean, yeah. it's a brigade. It's yeah. you know you're commanding six battalions, right. really, and they're complicated. Now I'm not going to be an expert. 
in the MPs, and I'm not going to be an expert in the special forces, but well, you have experts. But I'm, down but I'm, an, yeah. but I'm serious about being a commander. So I went out with these units. I oh yeah, I went to their field training exercises. Hell, I flew to Germany once to uh, observe the special forces in a oh, wow. in a, a a live fire FTX. Really good scenario. Huh. I was out there with them at night on the objective. No and kidding. Here I am critiquing their approach to the to the objective at night because, hey, I'm a I'm a brigade commander. That's your guys. I'm an airborne ranger. I've got a little bit That's of credibility right. with these SF guys. I'm going to use it, and so I did do that. Yeah. You know, which is kind of unique. I mean, not not everyone does sure. that because a lot of people are intimidated by. Well, of shit, course, these are special forces soldiers, and I'm a. I'm an MP. I can't do it. Well, no, you can. You well, can if you want to. Yeah, because you know yeah. what fundamentals are. Yeah, but you there's know what that training looks. There's like. that thing in your head is like, well, these guys will never give me the respect that uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, but you know, if, but if you don't go do it, they definitely won't yeah, give you exactly. Respect. You know, you don't you don't put your hands on your hips and say, I'm here and I'm I'm going to help and I'm in charge <laughs> and what you don't do that. You right. just go and you learn and you make some observations and you're respectful and you, you we all want the same thing. Yeah. We're fighting readiness. Yeah. Whether I'm an aviator or a special forces soldier, we all want the same wow. thing. And I know what right looks like. You know what right looks like. I may not know every TTP on, no. you know, foreign internal defense training, you know, because I don't. Uh, I've never right. done it. That's an SF mission. I respect it. It's awesome. Yeah. I've never done it. I've seen it done. I kind of know what it, you know, <laughs> but I know fundamentals, right? I know what training is supposed to look like. Yeah. So. I wasn't I wasn't shy about getting involved. Were you promoted to 06 before you took that brigade or uh, Yes, I think I was like it was concurrent. I think it happened okay. right, because right. I got the job. Yeah. Cuz I was already eligible for promotion through the DA process. So I was DA yeah. oh, right. DA right. select as we Now call you just it. need the position. Yeah, I got to have the position. It's yeah. a guard thing. Yeah. And uh, I got the position, thank goodness, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Where did you pin on full full colonel at? Uh, at the Drone Force headquarters. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a ceremony okay. there, and you know, my wife was there, my kids were there. It was, it was great. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It was great, and I thought, my God, I never thought I'd be a colonel. I mean, I thought maybe like uh, the young cadet at West yeah. Point. Yeah. Maybe a real stretch goal. Maybe I could be a battalion commander someday, right? Sure. I mean, that was my max horizon. I'm, I'm thinking that's like God back then. <laughs> right. I mean, let's be honest. When you're a cadet, like a captain is a god. That's true. Yeah, it's true. The captain is yelling at you. Yeah, too. we can't forget that. When you're young and in those in those academies or ROTC or whatever, a captain is god. Like, yeah. Oh my god, that's a real army officer doing real good army stuff. <laughs> I want to be like him or her or whatever. So I never thought about anything beyond that. No, that's so here I am. High, yeah. Here I am pinning on the the eagle, which. By the way, I personally think is the coolest looking rank absolutely. In, the, in the military. Yeah, far. absolutely. So right. I was just thrilled to death. Right. Yeah. God, that's awesome. <laughs> How long did you have command of the brigade? Uh, let's see. It was about it was about two years, a little over two years. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was meaningful. Yeah. You know, you don't usually get a command more than two years. You, that My battalion. No, command. that's why when you said three I years as a battalion command. If it wouldn't have been the deployment. But the deployment, yeah. yeah sure. And then some stability coming back is a good thing. Yeah. Because you know people tend to scatter, and so having a yeah, if you change command at that time, yeah, it'd be like, yeah, it's yeah. A, it could be a problem. Uh, so that was all good. So yeah, I was excited. It was an, a great brigade command, um, and of course, if you become a brigade commander and you do well, that can open other opportunities for you. Well, that's right. your yeah, that's your two checkpoints, right? Yeah, your, that's right. 
Um, and it was a, you know, it wasn't a, a BCT, which ended up hurting me as a one-star general. I got to be honest with you. Uh, but as a colonel, hey, you've commanded a brigade, and this this is a this is a monster. This is a monster yeah. brigade. Yeah, this is complicated. Yeah. yeah. So uh, no no regrets. In fact, one of the things I'm proud of is I, uh, you know, this this 89th Troop Command Brigade. Um, kind of uh, administrative, logistics, you know, some training oversight, but because of all the differences, training oversight's a little more different yeah. for people that aren't willing to wade in. I was. I was not ashamed to wade <laughs> in. And uh, so one of the things I'm kind of proud of is I actually took this unit to the field, the entire brigade, down to Fort Carson. Imagine that. Oh. Imagine the looks I got. They're still sir, telling, you want to do what? They're still telling stories about yeah, it today. Sir, you want to do what? This old man said, SOB wants me to I said, put my guys, field gear on. Yeah, and I'll give you I'll give you the short version. I said, guys, we're a brigade. My job is to train you as a brigade staff. We, you know, we still have to have some kind of muscle memory on going to the field. Yeah. Plotting, you know, <laughs> metrics on readiness right. and, you know, are we black on ammo? Are we, are right, we, you right. Know, you know, all that kind of stuff. Tracking sit reps, issuing missions, yeah. processing basic army stuff in the field. I said, guys, we got to go. We got to go do this. Yeah. I have a brigade three. I have a brigade two. I got a four. That's We're right. going to go do it. So <laughs> after after the gnashing of teeth, uh, and actually the battalion commanders were quite receptive. Oh, yeah. Because we were actually going to make a scenario where everybody's playing together. Oh. It's easy to get infantry and SF playing with aviation, right? Yeah, that's, that's easy. easy. Right. You can create scenarios for that all day long. Uh, but then when you incorporate space, because the space capability was designed to support theater and division commanders. Yeah. So they had great assets. That could also be, you know, uh, trimmed down to a battalion commander. It's still meaningful, right? Yeah. It's intel. It's meteorological stuff. It's radio frequency stuff. So, and the MPs, I mean, we put this all together in a, a basic scenario, but it was exciting to watch. Well, the MPs got to know how to... Uh, secure the roads. Right. And, yeah, and they were doing right. all that stuff. So we actually got this monster in the field with all of the battalions and did no shit collective training wow. for like two and a half days in the field, which I don't think anybody had ever done that before. I, it was shock cool. and awe, let yeah. me tell you. But it was very rewarding, and I think it was cool. And all the people were like, "This is this is what you sign up to do." Well, true. This you want to yeah. go to the field, you want to get dirty, you want to be tired. And no, nobody wants to come in for their drill and do computer training. Exactly. You know. Exactly. So I, I'm actually kind of proud of that. It's a historical footnote, I'm sure, for the college. I would love to see the room when you yeah. proposed yeah, it. Yeah, right? I'm sure. You know, but uh, it really worked out surprisingly good. And it was night ops. It was complex stuff. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, LZs and and PZs and a real objective and intel support and the MPs were securing things and it was synchronized. Yeah. You know, and we even, pretty... we even had a UAV overhead because no Colorado a UAV unit. Oh wow! And uh, that was coming into our brigade, as a matter of fact. Yeah, in fact, it was part of the MP battalion at the time. So we used UAV wow. assets to recon the LZ. I mean, it was like it was really threaded together nicely. And all the soldiers got to do their real mission yeah. in a field environment. It was great. That's a hell of a brigade S three you had. To yeah. Put that oh yeah. Oh yeah. Together. He was he was good. Wow. He was good. Yeah. That's a massive. 
Yeah, we just uh, it was it was good. I'm glad. What was the uh, what was the name of the brigade that you had? That 89th, you took command of? 89th Troop Command. Okay, 89th Troop. And command. I'll give you the interesting footnote: is the 89th Troop Command from the Colorado Army National Guard is the only unit referenced in I believe it is Starship Troopers. What? I think it's Starship Troopers. One of these movies. Uh, you can't quote me on it, but I think it is where. Huh. Well, maybe it's not Starship Troopers, but one of these movies where the aliens come. Yeah. And the first unit on the scene is the 89th Troop Command. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know where they picked it from. <laughs> That's pretty good. But it was the 89th Troop Command. There's wow. only one of them. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It may not be Starship Troopers. I apologize. But it's one of those. It'll aliens. be some obscure reference. Yeah, but the aliens. Say it. have, yeah, it's it's yeah. in there. It's definitely in there. It was like, who knows? Could have been an Independence Day. Could have been yeah, any of those. Yeah, like. it was one of those kind of movies. Um, so you stayed there for two years. What are we? What are we looking at? Is that uh, 2010 now? This is probably. Um. Yeah, I stayed there for two years, and then I got. Probably one of the most difficult jobs of my entire life. I was selected to be the chief of staff of the Army National Guard in Colorado. Wow. Yeah. So that that is a step up. Yeah. Now you're now you're running the guard and the staff for yeah, for, for the two star who's the my day to day boss because uh-huh. I'm running a full time workforce of 830 guys and gals. Yeah. In 35 facilities spread across the state, including aviation flight operations that are going every day and night, uh, big uh, motor pools and uh, uh, I forget what they're called now. They're uh, sites where they're actually doing fixing vehicles like overhauls and all that. Oh, stuff. like like depot uh, maintenance. Yeah, or like stuff depot like maintenance yeah. level stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's all around the state. Wow. Like I said, 830 full time employees. So, I mean, it's a full-time wow. job. Yeah. New facility construction. All this stuff goes under the chief of staff. Um, and then on the weekends, your other boss is the commanding general of the Army National Guard, one star. You know, running unit training and right. all that stuff that right. your you know normal staff would do. So this is, the reason it was one of the challenges of my life is because you're dealing with what your listeners would maybe understand is a full garrison command. Yeah. Because of what I said earlier with all the locations and legal issues. Just and scattered. You're, yeah, but you're, yeah. You're doing a garrison command and you're doing almost like a division staff at the same time. Right. It's the same thing. Right. Rolled into a staff. So, huh. so, so I'm the 06 in charge of this for the two generals that I told you about. Oh, so great job. I mean, you talk about learning how the guard yeah. runs at the state level. Now I'm, now I'm, yeah, I'm one of the, yeah. I'm one of the guys at the seat at the table yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, but challenging because all of the problems in the state have, have that come to your desk cannot be solved by an 06. So oh, they're always, yeah. they're always yeah. going to create division and resentment and, Winners and losers, and so that was mm. just hard. Like Manning is always one of the big. Oh, ones. It, it's the right. perennial problem. The active duty is taking away some of the guards' full-time Manning slots because they don't have enough money, and so these are expensive. So yeah. we're going to take some of your full-time Manning guard bureau fights with the Pentagon. Blah blah blah. Yeah, oh yeah. 
and the end result is okay, Colorado, you got to give up two AGRs. Okay, one oh five and one oh four. Okay, those fights. Okay, I know. who's gonna give we? Okay, Ugh. who deserves to give up a full time employee? Right. When you know this is skeleton staff stuff. Yeah. You know the guard. You're, yeah. You know, eighteen percent of the guard is full time. Yeah. Not much. Not really much. Um, so those were always difficult. I mean, we tried to create the most fair systems and transparent. And, you know, and then you know the other issue that I. It was a little bit of my hobby horse because it's a problem is the few 06 control grades you have, mm-hmm. as we talked about, there's only so many full-time slots. You have to now really like plot this out on a spreadsheet so that you old, the old fives know, okay, there's hope. Oh, Colonel yeah. Smith isn't going to be here for 30 years. There's a path. There's right? a path. And of course the chief of staff is the only guy that really can be the bad guy. So I gotta meet yeah. with the colonels. I gotta come to an agreement on their retirement date. You know, oh, sign wow. the memo here. It's like that wasn't. So fun you either. are doing dirty work. You're doing all it. the dirty work, yeah. and you know, some of it's really good work. I mean, you're trying to. It's all important. You're trying to create. You need readiness. somebody in there to make that. Yeah. Make those decisions. That's right. You're trying to create readiness throughout the guard. Well, you ain't and creating friends. That's for no. Sure. You're not doing friends. So it was <laughs> it was challenging actually, a really challenging assignment because huh. it was just never easy problems. No. No, but it was it was great. Learning a lot. How long um, did you do that for? I did that for just about two years. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, so enough to learn it. That's yeah. for sure. And then I'm getting ready to eat my own cooking and retire because I'm... I've You've got to be about that time. I've right? got 20 years of service, full-time service. I just qualify. Yeah. So yeah. I've been preaching to everybody else, hey, we're not, we're not guaranteeing you anything above 20. we got a lot of... <laughs> aggressive, good, deserving officers that need to get promoted. Well, and there are a few lick, licking their chops waiting yeah, for you right. to say that. So right? I have to eat my own cooking. So I'm yeah. I'm say, this was my date. I'm over 20. I'm going to drop my papers and I'm going to report to Fort Carson next week for out processing, huh. which I was doing. Oh, really? Yes, I was. I wasn't at Fort Carson. I might have been at Fort Carson. Anyway, I was in the process of retiring. No, yeah. no kidding. I mean, yeah. I'm in it. Meeting the requirements. It felt like a lot like Fort Hood. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, I had some flashbacks. But uh, so I'm doing my thing. You know, it's going to take several weeks to meet all the requirements. And, uh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, right. And uh, so here's an interesting story of like, I tell the story of people that, you know, it's weird how things work out in your life. There's always, you know, you can always make little connections to opportunities that you get from maybe something you did down the road. So, okay. so here's what I connect. So General Grass, who was the four-star on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Chief of the Guard. You remember, oh, the, okay. you remember yeah. the name General Grass? Maybe. Uh, anyway, he maybe. was. So he's on the Joint Chiefs. We got a seat at the table. He's he's the big wig. He's the guy in charge of the Guard. Mm-hmm. So I happened to be his uh, chaperone as an 06 when he came to Colorado to visit our tag. Oh, no kidding. To see other things. You know, he was probably going to Northcom and. Yeah. Just, you know yeah. how the generals do those trips. They try to get a lot of things in. And so I was his driver, chaperone, intelligent guy to talk him through everything. Okay. Because right? he wants to know about training programs and readiness and all that. So you're not going to stick a, a lieutenant in there. No, with the, of course With the four-star. Not. not for this job. Not. Okay. So I was the guy. So I got to know General Grass for a few days. I'd pick him up at his hotel. 
How was your breakfast, sir? Uh, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the good stuff. I was the, what do you call it? Not the chaperone, but the, the, uh, the escort. <clears throat> I escort. His, I was escort. his escort officer. Yeah, That's the right. word. And, uh, you know, at first I was like, oh, okay, I won't. This is great. <laughs> but then I realized, you know, you don't don't pass by those opportunities. No. So I got to know General Grass. He got to know me. We were talking in the car. I drove him to the airport, said goodbye. Hope to see you again someday, sir. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, so that was point number one. So point number two, I wrote an article. I always tell my kids this. Hey, if you want to make a splash in your industry or your military branch, write an article. Make it meaningful. Make it relevant. I wrote an article for the, sorry, for the Guard, for the Guard magazine, the National Guard magazine, which every guardsman reads, especially leadership. Yeah. It's a lot about uh, readiness issues and issues with the active duty and legislation and all that kind of stuff. So everyone reads it. Well, my article was about the, basically the cost effectiveness of the guard. It was, oh, it was good analysis. Interesting, yeah. It's like, you know, interesting. You know, a guard BCT on average, unless you're talking full up armor. Yeah. A guard BCT or an aviation unit costs a third of what an active duty unit does. It's just, this is just basic math in a time of constrained fiscal environment. Which yeah. Which we always yeah. seem to run into and it's going to get way worse, by the way. Uh-huh. You know, why wouldn't you invest in the guard? I mean, obviously, we need an active duty. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna compete. I say that in quotes. Right. We're not gonna compete with the eighty second, the hundred first. That's not the that's not the point. But for a third of the cost, I get a BCT. I can get an airborne brigade. Sure. I could get an aviation brigade. I can, for a third of the cost. I mean, that's that really means something. So it was a very good article. It was packed tight. You know how, right? Yeah. 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 It was very succinct and very logical, and so. So General Grass just happens to be on an airplane with General Edwards, who's my two-star. He's my tag. Oh, jeez. And he, and he looks, he puts the magazine down on his leg, sitting across from Charlie on some executive jet that the military loves to fly around in. And he says to my tag, hey, are you ready to, are you ready to lose this officer? This petty officer? Chris Petty, you, you ready to lose him? And, you know, Edwards is not stupid. He's like, yeah, of course. He's a good, he's a good man. We, we'd, yeah. be, we'd be happy. And so, lo and behold, as I'm out processing at Fort Carson, opportunity knocks. No I get kidding. a call from General Grass. You know, a probably, call? Yeah, a phone call. Probably yeah. a week later. And and General Grass says, hey, Chris, how you doing? Because, again, now we know each other. Hey, Chris, uh, hope I'm not catching you at a bad time. You know, that kind of stuff. Are you kidding? No, sir, it's all good. <laughs> what can I do for you? How would you like to pin on a star and go uh, take command of the NATO headquarters in Bosnia? <laughs> okay, uh, I'm out processing right now. <laughs> no, of course I said, sir, that would be a it'd be a great wow, it'd be a great that idea. had to blow yeah. you away. Yeah, and so the point of my story is it's those two things. It's the sure. fact that I got to escort him, and I wrote that article, which is wow, intellectually hit the mark for him. Yeah. It's like, hey, this guy. Not only did I meet him, but he's a thinker. You know, I need guys like this, right? I mean, this this is me making assumptions, but. But I believe in the connection of those I things. I think so. And yeah. that's opportunity. So I was honored to accept. And then, you know, I mean, now I'm going to get promoted to general officer. And uh, when I'm out processing at Fort Carson, literally. But uh, but it was great. I mean, I, was, I had a new challenge in front of me. Wow. Here I am going to Bosnia in, you know, basically it's, hey, oh, and by the way, can you be oh. ready to depart in 30 days? 30 days, I think oh it was. Oh, my God. So I'm a colonel. I got to yeah. get promoted. I got to 
do the family thing. I've got to figure out wh- where's Bosnia on a map. No, yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, well, but I'm not kidding because I read books a little bit about, about that. Bosnia. Yeah, right, yeah. you've got to understand the history of that place. Yeah. Um, but it was frenzied and exciting, and of course, the family's happy. I mean, my God, we're gonna have a general. Wow. So obviously, it was it was awesome, and I jumped at it, and it was a fascinating assignment. It was only a year, but it was, I mean, I was submersed. Really? In, oh, yeah. Being a NATO commander, and I i don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but being a NATO commander in a country like Bosnia is like being a combatant commander in a theater like Europe. I mean, you are, really? when the ambassadors come, and I, I'm not trying to sound arrogant at all. No. But it's you're, you're in a different universe because... NATO is the reason Bosnia exists. NATO is the reason that the war mm-hmm. ended. Mm-hmm. And so NATO is in a, such a position over there that even though you're a one-star general, which to us is like a dime a dozen walking around the Pentagon, not not in Bosnia. You are Oh no. You are NATO. You might as well be a I would have thought it would be the other way around. Yeah, it's weird. That you're some small fish out yeah, there in the NATO it's, land. It's but. weird. And I wasn't expecting this. I mean, it, I was kind of... I mean, obviously, it's nice when yeah. you're, when you're the recipient of it. But for instance, when ambassadors post to the new country, Germany, Japan, I won't U.S. Say, ambassadors, no, or? any ambassador. Oh, okay, okay. When any ambassador posts to his new assignment in Bosnia, mm-hmm. he calls the NATO commander to set up an office meeting to come to my office wow. to introduce himself. Okay, now as a U.S. one-star general, that was quite a surprise to me, right? So that's a little like, oh, geez, I'm yeah. supposed to do that, too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're eating lunch with the U.S. ambassador every week. You're, I mean, you wow. are, you are, you're NATO. You're NATO. Wow. And even though the mission has obviously changed over the years. That always does, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're still NATO. That is the... That is the big boy on the block. You are repping NATO. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's, it was really humbling really fast because I wasn't quite expecting that. You know, really. I <laughs> sure. mean, it was great. I knew it was going to be important. But all of a sudden you're, I mean, I got to be honest, it's probably U.S. ambassador is number one because, you know, I'm talking like the informal pecking order. Of course. With perception. Yeah, in NATO, of course. In, right, uh, in right. Bosnia. Because the U.S. embassy has the money programs and all the good sure. stuff yeah but nato's like number two no wow. kidding yeah so it was it was interesting eye-opening and of course i studied the history and i read the books and not about not only about the conflict but the history i mean this these these tensions go back to the bosnia they go yeah they go back to the 1500s they go back to the 1500s yeah and you can trace it directly through all of the wars to today. It's the wow. same basic problems of Orthodox Christians butting up against Muslims. Yeah. Yeah. Um, butting up with uh, non Orthodox Christians. I mean, it's really, yeah. Yeah. It, that's really what it is. If you ever go to Sarajevo, you could literally see it on the street. Like, East meets West, and it's really cool. Oh, you can I recommend really? it if you get ever get a chance, because half of Sarajevo is like the uh, Habsburg Empire, the same style of buildings, you know, Austrian, oh, okay. like you're in Vienna. Yeah, 
And then, then your stark contrast, like a line on the street, is Muslim architecture, Islam architecture. Oh, no kidding. It's amazing. It's really cool, actually. Huh, huh. So, I mean, it's just, it's a metaphor for the clash that's never sure. truly been settled through five centuries. Yeah. It's still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, so there's many of those over there. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, you know, I used to say, you know, it was a war that never was allowed to fight itself out. Like wars in the old days, they they could fight themselves out, so they had a resolution. Yeah, I'm not making a moral moral judgment on like killing people and fighting it out. That's not my point. My point is, you froze a war, you froze a cold war. You just stopped and the fighting. You, right? you didn't. Yeah. You didn't. Reduce the underlying reasons no, for the war. No, and so course. it's just kind of frozen until it bursts open again, like it sort of did in Kosovo, yeah. you know, immediately following. So, anyway, it was fascinating. Fascinating. Ooh, wow. Now NATO's role was mostly in the you could you could sort of equate it to consulting work. I mean, very important consulting work, but it was like defense reform stuff. Your, the European Union had U4, European yeah, Forces. Yeah, yeah. They had taken over the QRF kind of uh, responsibility from okay. NATO years before I got there. Oh, really? So so Europe owned that. So my, my counterpart was a two-star Austrian general huh. who I became good friends with because we shared basically the headquarters building. His, his staff's on one side, mine's on the other. So U4 was in charge of the QRF kind of stuff. Like they had a couple of helicopters. They had infantry, oh, yeah. infantry troops. Just enough to... They could sort of quell... Respond, uh, yeah. You know, snap to a quick rebellion somewhere, right. you know, and, and, to work, show presence. and work it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and NATO had evolved into the defense reform side of the business, which is how do we get you up to speed to become a NATO partner? How um, do we... Get your logistics system to be not corrupt yeah. and reliable. How do we get your training management programs up huh. to speed where you actually can do more than just shoot a rifle? Right. You know, you could do squad level, platoon level maneuvers. You could do a little combined arm stuff. So we were logistics, training, oh. personnel. It was really a like a cool consultant role. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so I was meeting with the, the Minister of Defense, like, at least once a week. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he was my primary contact. Jeez. Minister of Defense. Yeah. 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 And the CHOT, the Chief of Defense, you know, the general. Uh -huh. So the civilian, he gave me a giant bottle of uh, Rakia when he left. What's Rakia? It's the homemade uh, uh, liquor that they all do. Every oh, yeah? Every family in Bosnia. Also, it's a little a bit different. family recipe oh, okay. for yeah. Rakia. Which is kind of like uh, schnapps. In oh, fact, yeah. It's it's related to schnapps, but if you've ever had like good schnapps, it doesn't taste anything like schnapps. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah. Americans, not that we know. Yeah, I don't want to confuse are. Americans with. It's not schnapps like you buy in a liquor store, but they call it schnapps. Ah. There must be a similar distillation process, but it's pretty hardcore. Sometimes <laughs> you can taste that they the derivative was plums, or sometimes oh, you can okay. taste yeah. that the derivative was some other berry. Peach. I mean, it's, it's good, but it's pretty yeah. strong. It's pretty strong. So he gave me this big green bottle of homemade rakia. It was just so cool. classic, yeah. Because he's really proud. This yeah. is my family recipe, probably hundreds of years. 
and that was his gift to me as uh, I've enjoyed working and with And that you. was the other, the two-star from, where was he from? He was what from country? Austria. Austria, okay. Yeah, he was the commander of U4. Well, yeah. let me get this. So, you pin on General. Yeah, in 14. 2014. Yeah, where at? sent immediately to Bosnia. Uh, here, again, oh, here. at the Joint okay. Base Headquarters. And you move. Yeah. Did your wife come with? No, unaccompanied tour. Ugh. Unaccompanied for a year? tour for a year. Yep. But at least I didn't have to spend six months in Fort Hood. <laughs> <laughs> well, or you're not in Korea either. <laughs> yeah, that so, helped. You know. That helped. Um, and you and it's all in Belgium. Nope. Um, so I, I have to fly to Naples first to meet my new boss. So, NATO's divided up into different commands there's a few different commands oh I, okay yeah and i'm not gonna bore Makes sense i'm not gonna bore I, everybody I didn't realize that but, but the command in charge of the call it the southeastern front of nato uh-huh. is out of naples okay so bosnia is in that all the other uh southeast european yeah. countries are yeah. in that command and that's that is theoretically a war fighting command oh yeah it is okay and so so my boss is a is a four-star in Naples. Yeah. He's, he's a U.S. Navy, Navy Admiral. I have to fly to Naples on my way to Bosnia to sort of get commander's intent, all that good stuff, yeah. right? Hey, sir, I'm, you know, tell me what you want me to accomplish. Right. How do you measure success, right? right what, right. you know, what does, what does success look like to you? What do you want me to do? Right. All that normal, good conversation, right? You're flying into a theater, yeah. you're taking charge of something. Yeah. What does my boss want? Your feedback session. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in a, in a, tale that was not comical at the time my flight over there was a disaster yeah. missed my flight out of philly had to spend the night in philly because <laughs> of weather it was just weather related yeah. and then i get to uh changing planes in paris my bags got lost in paris jeez oh, so i mean it was a nightmare and you know you you've got to realize that i'm a brand new one-star general you know i'm the little kid on the block I'm going to meet with a four star like four star is still a four star. Yeah. It's still a four star. <laughs> and you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit intimidating Yeah, and you know, for most people and it's my new boss. I want to yeah. make the right impression. My bags lost. I, oh, you know, it's like, Oh God, this, is, and then when I get my bag, which I didn't have my bag to meet with my boss. Yeah. So I didn't have my, my uniform. I didn't have, Oh, so no. luckily I wasn't a complete slob when I traveled. This is a lesson learned. Always have it. Always look at least professional, at least, I, right. at least in your carry on. Right. Don't wear your sweats on the plane. Yeah. Cause if I would have walked into that first meeting with a, nothing but a ball cap and t-shirts and shorts, your validity would, that been would shot. be really yeah. bad. Yeah. And so luckily it was a lesson reinforced, right? <laughs> I could at least walk in with a sport coat, you know? Yeah. Sure, yeah, sure. yeah. So, uh, but when I got my bag, the next day after my meeting with my boss, it was drenched, soaked, oh, no. soaked through and through. My nice army uniforms, my blues. Like, oh no! Oh, it was just a disaster. And then you know, I, I ended up everything was okay. And then I, then I flew to to uh, Sarajevo, oh, okay. and reported yeah. in and met my staff. And, oh, so that's where you stayed? Yeah, yeah. I was in Sarajevo. I, yeah, I was in wow. a camp. I was in a NATO camp, which was a wow. NATO. U4 camp. Yeah. NATO actually kind of owned it though, as we started looking at all the rules and stuff, because somebody has to own it. Yeah. Um, so NATO sort of owned it, but it was a very great relationship. No issue. But, uh, 
but we stayed in a, a camp called Camp Bootmere, and it's it's like twenty minutes from Sarajevo. Okay. So it's a secure military base. Yeah. Wire, you know, wired fencing. There's a runway, you know, all that stuff. So I mean, we had a good headquarters building, like a mini shop at, you know. I mean, it was it was nice actually. Right. right. Yeah. Not a lot of amenities, but there was a gym. It was a mini mini shop at little barbershop, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, your housing was on that. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in my own little, little shack house, which was totally sufficient, but, uh, soldiers lived in barracks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. But there was a general officer quarter for the NATO commander. I mean, yeah. general Shinseki stayed there. Oh. You know, he was the commander. Yeah. So that's good enough for me. No issue. Were you the highest ranking American on there? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was the highest ranking American in the country. Oh, oh yeah. really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. There was colonels at the U.S. Embassy. Yeah. I thought they would have... Nope. More. There was colonels at the embassy. Typical. Yeah. A couple of colonels at the embassy. Uh, got along great. In fact, very engaged because a lot of his programs that yeah. were funded by U.S. Embassy were directly related to NATO membership and development so wow. we could get them to close the gaps okay. on all yeah. the things I talked about. Yeah. So that was a great partnership. Huh. Um, yeah, interesting. Just an interesting world. Just so different. Well, you got exposed to it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Know, most and, people uh, don't. I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, and it was, uh, you so, know, you get a lot of inertia in a job like that. A lot of the staff, some of the full-time staff are civilians. Yeah. And every once in a while, they need a little inertia breaker. <laughs> like, I'm, a, I'm always happy to be that guy. Yeah. But I do my homework, you know. I just want to do what, what the right thing is. So we kind of reoriented some of our programs that had sort of atrophied a little bit oh, okay. you know like why are we here what are we supposed yeah, to do yeah little energy maybe and uh i think it paid off huh. i think it paid off so uh but again some head scratching who's the new guy damn well it. sure damn it who's here the you new go guy? again you got to prove yourself who's again the, right? who, who's the guy upsetting the apple cart again <laughs> i never minded being that guy i, I really didn't i kind of like it actually well i mean You've shown results with it. So. Yeah, and you know, I know um, what I'm supposed to be doing. I yeah. do. I do my homework. Yeah. Why am I here? Well, and by now, uh, you've learned that I think a lot of people want to have that direction. They'd rather have that direction than somebody who's easy on them, right? They yeah. do. So. I even told I even told young lieutenants growing up. I said, "You may not believe me, but believe me, even your crusty old NCOs want a lieutenant." That takes ownership. Yeah. Not tell them how to do their job. <clears throat> ask them. Ask them for their advice and counsel. Be respectful. You know, treat everyone like you want to be treated. But they want you to be in charge. Yeah. They want you to take charge and be the commander, the lieutenant, the platoon leader. Don't shirk from that. Yeah. It's the same thing. See, that could be our number one lesson yeah. when we yeah. go into our series. Yeah. I I used to love counseling young officers yeah. because I felt like I could give them something. Yeah. Uh, world changed because I never got too much counseling. Yeah, it's so. too bad. Um, so you stay over there in a year. You come back. I come back. Another to, assignment, or are you yeah, finally another, retiring? No, I'm not going to retire now because <laughs> the guard has me as one of their generals, and okay. I just did a good assignment. That's mm -hmm. a good developmental assignment. I'm overseas. It's multinational. I'm dealing with embassies and NATO and oh, yeah. foreign countries. You got my, purple all over. Yeah, you my now, staff right? was uh, truly multinational. Yeah. I had Romanians wow. and Hungarians, even had a Spaniard on my staff. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it was really a great experience, but also educational. Sure. You know, I learned, and learning how NATO works, 
was very interesting. I, I just, I mean, we could go on about NATO for a whole show. Yeah. It was diff- different. NATO is, I'll give you the short version. Okay. NATO is all about your, your charter. What your, yeah. It's all about the charter. Not, I'm using the wrong term. There's a better term for charter. Um, the easy thing is it's all about your mission, but it's not that simple. It's all about your written yeah. authorization. What you're allowed to do. Yeah, it's kind of like your reason for being. Because it's very political. Absolutely. NATO is very political. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was commanding, I think it was 28 countries. Now I think it's 30. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, 28 nations getting together <laughs> to try to compromise on what are we going to do in Bosnia yeah. with our money and our resources and our soldiers. It creates kind of a watered-down mission statement document charter, as I'm calling it. But it's all about your charter. So don't try to get too creative. Yeah. Yeah, as you and would, you have limitations. Yeah, right? I mean, as I would tell a younger army officer in the U.S. Army, I'd say, get creative. I, absolutely, go, run with commander's intent. You know, you know, kind of the end state. Run, go, accomplish a mission. NATO's not that way. Yeah. It's very, very specific on these authorizations and these politically negotiated. Right, I'll call them Don't charters. Don't step on toes. Yeah, so <laughs> so you have to be a little careful. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's probably my biggest. That's lesson. some weird waters you got to navigate. Yeah, it's there. weird. It's and it's a little culture. It's culturally different than the U.S. Army. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to you got to wade through that a little bit and learn. You got to yeah. be willing to learn, and I did. Huh. But uh, that was a little bit of a, okay, this is a different terrain. Wow. That's okay. And it's that's a, part uh, three, sir. When we come back for part four, we're gonna hear more about. The rest of your Eventually, career. you're going to get really tired of me talking. I but, don't think so. But I, I'm enjoying it so far. It's in now. I don't think so. Yeah, let's let's get to okay. the time. Let's do it. On behalf of General Petty, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please leave a like and a comment and share the podcast with someone else. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service origin stories. So until next time, I thank you. Hola!